Hello, and welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. But not this week. <laughs> I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer, and I'm the older brother of Matt Farrell. And Matt Farrell, who is a lazy bee. That's me. Yes. Hi, everybody. We won't say the, we won't say the word, <laughs> the B word. Yeah. Got to keep mean, it clean I for mean, the kids. Booker. It's Booker is the word. It's Booker. Booker. It's a booger. He's a lazy booger. Lazy booger. Today we're going to be talking about everything except Matthew's the most recent episode. episode because there was no most recent episode. <laughs> I'm sure the sleuths in the audience are out there looking for clues, trying to figure out what happened. Matt, do you want to <laughs> tell us what happened? I had an episode ready to go and it needed a little more time in the oven. So I pulled it back to reschedule it because I wanted to tweak some things. And at the same time, my schedule coming up for the rest of the year, there were some things shifting around. So I needed to buy myself a little extra time and thought, might as well just take this week off and fix those issues. That basic thrust is, why are smart homes so stupid, is kind of the thrust of that video. But if you uh, this this coming Tuesday, uh, I have an episode coming up about my Tesla Model 3. It's kind of a two years later, what is my takeaway from having my car for two years, which is kind of funny because I've only driven the car about 7,000 miles in two years, which is not a lot. <laughs> right. You've been, you've been working from home for, is it now three years? Two and a half years. I ordered the car when I was working in Boston and was driving 50 miles a day. And <laughs> I was like, this is gonna be great having a car with autopilot that'll help me drive through commuting, the commuting traffic in and out of Boston every single day. It's gonna be great. And then suddenly things shifted and went sideways and I ended up working from home and got my Tesla delivered like two months later. Okay, I'm working from home now. <laughs> I don't need to drive 50 miles a day. Right. I'm lucky, I'm lucky if I drive two miles <laughs> in a day. And then more recently you bought a bike, so... It's yes. Even less. Yes. So my car is basically for road trips, essentially. Um, that video is coming up and there's some interesting takeaways in that video. I don't, I don't want to give any away, but I had a major issue happen recently with my car. And if you follow me on like Instagram or TikTok, you would have seen that what happened. But I go into that as well um, in the video. So it should be interesting. From a workload perspective, how far in advance are you typically working? Because it sounds like you are in a place where you are finishing up videos the week that they will be dropping. In some cases, I am. I have a full-time video editor that helps me. And we're currently editing two videos at once right now. So we have basically three weeks out in some, like one wrapped up for this Tuesday and then the next two weeks after that are basically in some form of edit. And then I have scripts going for the couple beyond that. And I'm working on the one that's even beyond that. So I'm working on a video that's right now that's not going to be coming out until December 15th. So it's like, <laughs> it's, we're, we're kind of out, you know, far out. Uh, and I have my publishing calendar figured out until right now I'm looking at it. it's January 5th. Uh, so I know every what, what I'm doing each week until January 5th right now. And will you be planning any breaks around the holidays? Uh, not for video releases, but that's part of the reason I'm working so far ahead as to I know what's coming out is we're trying to work a little faster than normal right now to get some in a kind of a backlog so that we can take some time off around the holidays and just let the videos kind of come out on a scheduled basis. Right. So, so yeah. you will have new content, but you won't be working hopefully Correct. around Thanksgiving or around Christmas. Yeah. Like Christmas week, uh, I'm planning on basically taking a, a full week off at Christmas and not doing anything with video production or the channel. 
you know, typically we talk about your most recent episode and then we move on to things that we've been watching pop culture yeah. stuff that's been yeah. keeping us occupied. But before we move on to that, I wanted to ask you about your second channel. It's effectively, it's a combination of you're doing another podcast slash YouTube channel. Is that the good way to refer to it? Yeah, we haven't done our first episode yet. We're going to do a test run soon. I don't know if that episode will be released or not. It depends on how it turns out. <laughs> We're currently planning on hopefully launching our first pilot episode within the next week or two. And what's the content of that going to be? If you know Ricky from 2-Bit Da Vinci, he and I are kind of calling it vice versa right now. Um we're going to be doing kind of a timely content around news items. So it's going to be very topical. So it's like news items from that week about EVs, Tesla, uh, renewable energy, what, whatever is kind of catching our eye in that kind of sphere of news. We'll be talking about a handful of topics and just having a nice chat. So it should be, hopefully it should be fun. Ricky and I, we did this, we kind of did a test run of this, like it was like a year ago where he and I talked about Tesla a year in review where the two of us kind of chatted about things and it was a lot of fun. So this is going to be that on a smaller scale uh, weekly. So keep an eye out for that. Um, he and I, when we both do it and launch it, we're going to be publicizing it across social media and YouTube. So And so it will be a Zoom call that is broadcast on YouTube and then it will also be uploaded as a podcast. So whichever way people want to consume it, it will be available. Yeah, that's the plan is basically to strip the audio, release it as a podcast, and then it will also be on YouTube under the Vice Versa with Matt and Ricky YouTube channel, which is up there if you wanted to go find it. <laughs> it's got one subscriber and there's no content published. Yeah, hey, that's, that's where it's going to start. All one to start an empire. <laughs> and do you and Ricky hate each other? Is that what we, the dynamic is going to be? Yeah, we can't stand each other. Um, we do nothing but fight, um, mm -hmm. call each other names. Good throw things at each other virtually. Yeah. I think that's the kind of content we're looking for. Yes. In a lot of strife and anger. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I, I, one of you just berating the other person while the second person just cries uncontrollably would be good, good content, I think. Yeah. Ricky just yelling at me, why are you so stupid? Why are you so stupid? Yeah. While you me just being uncontrollably. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Genuine question. In your conversations with him, you're calling it vice versa. Do you find that you do have differing opinions on content or is it a examination of this and then a second take on that same thing? Or do you think that there actually will be some debate? I think there will be some debate. It's like he and I are in kind of sync on a lot of things, but even when we're like in agreement on this thing is interesting, the because we find it interesting is like, what is the because? is right. different in some of our chats we've had leading up to this we just got you know we're just we're friends we just end up talking it's like we end up kind of like i wouldn't say we're arguing but we're we definitely have different viewpoints mm -hmm. on things so i think there that is going to be an aspect of the show of the vice versa of our, our two points of view about the same topic that sounds good I'm, I'm looking forward to it uh, starting up. So now we will move on to our typical second half of the show where we talk about what we've been watching or doing during our many lonely hours, pandemic hours. My train of thought just completely derailed. <laughs> <laughs> That's that, that in itself, Sean, it's kind of a summarizes. This is a summary we're in right now. of where Sean is right now. <laughs> yeah. 
And this is where the test pattern noise should be inserted. <laughs> uh, why don't we break this uh, as a starting point into three sections? I feel like we probably have movies to talk about, TV shows to talk about, and potentially video games to talk about. So why don't we break it into those three? And why don't you start off with something from television that you've been watching? I actually just started watching on Netflix uh, The Queen's Gambit, which stars Anya Taylor-Joy, I think is her mm-hmm. name. Um, she's from the movie Emma. She was in The Witch. She's got a very unique face. She's a really good actress. Uh, the show is about a uh, basically a woman prod- a prodigy chess player. And it's the, the show is covering her growing up from a little girl, losing her parents, ending up in an orphanage, and growing up and becoming this crazy chess champion who's also a drug addict. And it takes place in the 60s. It's um, based on a book of the same name. It is exceptional. Uh, we're only a few episodes in, and each episode is just riveting you're you like you like her immediately you're on her side you're just like trying to you're just like on the edge of your seat with some of this horrible stuff she's having to deal with as a child growing up um it's it's incredible it's it's really really worth watching um especially for her her performance is it's it's emmy worthy like she is really good so i would definitely recommend checking out the queen's gambit what TV shows I've been watching. We've been watching, we're in the final season of Deadwood. I have a great uh, amount of respect for the writing on that show. In the first episodes of the first season, setting up the idea of, oh, here's the guy in the white hat, here's the guy in the dark hat, let's go have a Western. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the first season, and definitely into the second season, you realize, oh, the wild card here is the hero. He's kind of out of control. He's got an anger problem. And the villain is effectively holding the town together through sheer force of will. By the time you get to the third season, it becomes clear that Timothy Oliphant's character is less likely to do the right thing Mm -hmm. in certain circumstances than Ian McShane's character, who is arguably the villain. And the two of them have developed a relationship where they recognized during the second season, like it or not, they needed each other. And now they have a begrudging respect without a friendship. They do Mm -hmm. not see each other as friends, but they understand each other. And they've had their moment of violence against each other in the second season. So in this third season, it is this slow burn as they are trying to hold off outsider forces that are trying to take over the town it's almost like west wing if west wing was an old western it's that Hmm. kind of it's 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 about politics less than about gunfights and i think that the writing in it is remarkable and one of the reasons i wanted to talk about it was because of the same tone i am seeing emerge now in the newest season of the mandalorian as the world there is expanding a little bit and you're getting a sense of what the larger world of the Mandalorian is and the idea that the Mandalorian is not always going to be the good guy. Yep. That he, in some cases, the most recent episode, I won't give any spoilers about plot, but 
the most recent episode, he was effectively acting selfish. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there were moments where the kid, the baby Yoda needs a spanking that yeah, he was doing yes. stuff that he shouldn't have been doing and never got really called out for it. And so there were moments of like in the larger world, it's easy to see how somebody would see the Mandalorian as the guy who is trouble. And there's a nice conflict set up in the show where it's a couple of new, new uh, Alliance pilots cross paths with him. And they're like, wait a minute, you're that guy and we're supposed to arrest you. And I think they're doing something similar there and, and more directly in allegiance with the Mandalorian. The first episode of the season, which was breathtakingly good, included Timothy Oliphant in it. And another person from Deadwood was also in the episode playing the bartender. And it seems obvious to me that this was the makers of the Mandalorian really tipping their hat to Deadwood and saying, you guys got it. This is mm -hmm. the same tone. This is the same kind of show. So I thought it was a really neat incorporation of Deadwood mystique and Deadwood layering into the Mandalorian, into the Star Wars universe in that way. I, and yeah. I thought it was, it's, it's, I have such respect for that show and it grows every week. So can we, can we talk about Mandalorian just for a second? Absolutely. I love season one. It just got better and better as the season went along and I was in love with it by the end. This season, I'm a little less in love with it. This is the second episode that just happened, right? Second yeah. episode. The first episode, I, I loved the concept. I loved some of the execution. It felt like an old Western. It was, it was pretty cool. The second episode, the one we were just talking about where Baby Yoda needs a spanking, there was a lot of weird stuff in that episode that felt very rushed or low quality as far as the pacing and the way the story was being told. It was, it was very odd to me. Don't want to give anything away, but like there's a part where he's flying in space and those two pilots come up to mm -hmm. him and they're like asking him for things. The way that whole scene was shot was really weird where it was just like a camera just on him mm -hmm. and it wasn't doing a good job of like building the suspense as to these long delays between hearing things back and them mm -hmm. talking to each other. And it just, the pacing to me just felt way off. And I was like, wow, that could have been a lot more tense or funny. They could have, played it up in a much better way and then baby yoda's bad behavior i won't say what he was doing but he was being very very bad yeah <laughs> and there was a point in the show where you started to get the way they were the way baby yoda was acting it started to look like he was kind of like almost had a little bit of remorse about what he was doing like he started it almost looked like he was kind of like having second thoughts about like maybe i shouldn't have been doing that thing but then the very last shot of the show is him doing that thing again. And it was like, wait, you just, wait, was that just bad puppetry that you were conveying an emotion that actually wasn't there? Or were you trying to convey that he was looking like he was having second thoughts? Mm -hmm. And then the very last shot was him going, nah, I'm just gonna do it anyway. It's like, it wasn't clear if it was intended storytelling or if it was awkward puppetry it's like i couldn't right. so it's like there's aspects of that last episode that just made me go oh that's not a good sign i hope they get a little more nuanced about how they do this again and bring in a little more refinement it felt like a very unrefined episode to me it, it felt like it needed more time in the oven <laughs> i have a different opinion but i'm absolutely 
willing to own up to the idea that I may have just been in the right frame of mind to take the episode for what it was mm-hmm. because your response is very much in the same vein as my girlfriend's response. Mm-hmm. The episode okay. ended and her response was, that wasn't good. No, it wasn't. And my response was, I thought it was fine. And what I saw it as was uh, your moment of it looked like Baby Yoda was remorseful. I didn't see it as remorse. I saw it as afraid of getting caught. So I thought that there was the hesitation in the character from that perspective as opposed to remorse over having done something. And the other aspect of it was the scene that you mentioned about the the tension over the communication and potentially getting caught or not getting caught um the the still camera on the on the mandalorian i actually thought that did work mm. in a in a way that was it was so static it was so non it was so undirected in a certain way that it felt i liked that moment of stillness from a show that is typically putting you on such tinter hooks that you feel like things are going to break out into a gunfight at a moment's notice. And it felt like this was the equivalent of the guy standing at the bar and then the sheriff walks in the door behind him and the camera just stays on him while the sheriff stands in the background. That's what that felt like to me. But again, I may have just been in the right frame of mind to say, Oh, you without giving anything away, it's almost like this episode was almost just like kind of like a, a monster of the week episode. It's like, yeah, here's a dilemma and the Mandalorian has to get out of this dilemma. And the dilemma is effectively, can you run fast enough? So that being what it was, I think on a certain level, I may have just been ready for that kind of just show me some action. Well, but that, that scene to me, Sean, the, the flaw in it is, and this is one of the challenges of this, is he's always in a mask. Mm-hmm. So it's emotionless. Yeah. And if if he had been a character that wasn't wearing a mask in that sequence, I think just the facial expressions alone would have made it work. But because there is, he is a statue, literally. Yeah. It was like that. those pauses, those long takes were worthless. It was just like, okay, yeah. what what is going on? It's like they could have had more of him maybe tipping his head, kind of like, come on, guys, are you buying it? It's like you didn't get any of that. Are they buying this? Are they buying this? Are they buying this? Because you couldn't see his face and there was no body um, acting going on where he could convey it without seeing his face. Yeah. As you you talk about that. Yeah. They could As you talk shots. about that, it makes me yeah, it makes me think that one of the things they could have done is is done more miming. Yeah, of, there wasn't enough miming like, in that scene. If his if his if the still camera is if he had kept looking over his shoulder at the character who was sitting behind him, and almost begun to like gesture like, "Can you believe these guys?" silently to yeah. the character behind him. Um, I think that I think that the tone. Of that scene, they tried to set it with the first comment that he says to the arrival of the, of the, effectively the, 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 the law cops. shows yeah. up, the cops <laughs> yeah. show up. And his first comment is to claim that the noise made by the other character, which is her way of talking, he claims that it's 
like a vacuum pump activated in his ship. And that's what the noise was. I felt like that sort of comedic line was intended to inform us what the feeling of that moment was going to be. But as you talked about it just now, I, I realized that there could have been a lot more of that kind of miming that would have been far more entertaining and really hit that moment home of you're supposed to be kind of laughing at this. It's not supposed to be high drama in that moment. But at the same time, when it's clear it's not starting to work, they could have had a shot of him like reaching for like a switch. Like, you know, like, do I need to flip mm. the switch? It's like, it doesn't matter if we as the viewer don't, don't know what that switch actually does. Right. But we know he's getting ready to like do something because it right. seems like they're not buying it. They could have done something to build up the tension, to convey stuff right. through miming. Well, it goes, it's like, it goes back to Han Solo sitting, Han Solo sitting at a table talking to Greedo and underneath the table, you see him unhook his gun. Exactly. There was none of and that. that tells you where it's going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So that's why and I'm again, like, it's like, it, yeah. the episode was at best, it was fine, but in my opinion, it was not a good episode. So it was kind of disappointing, right. especially if the first one, which actually was very fun. So if we move from television into movies, what do you got to talk about? I don't have a lot to talk about because I haven't watched a movie in a couple weeks, but there's one I'm actually looking forward to that's coming up. It's on Apple TV plus. I've been watching a lot of Apple TV Plus stuff. Um, it's called Fireball. It's a documentary that's coming from uh, Werner Herzog and Clive Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. And speaking of Mandalorian, Werner Herzog, Herzog was in that. So that's right. <laughs> there's there's something about him. He's like he's like Christopher Walken, where like his documentaries have become a character of themselves just because of his voice. <laughs> yeah, the way he talks. But Fireball is a documentary about. Um, uh, meteorites and shooting stars and deep impacts and how they've changed our planet and what they are bringing to the earth and reshaping the earth with the mm -hmm. life and the things that they bring. So it looks like it's going to be a really fascinating, um, science -y documentary. I'm keep, I, it's, I don't know exactly when it's coming out, but it's coming out. I think it's this week. I'm really excited to, to check it out. Cause I like, I like his documentaries and this one looks, uh, particularly interesting. It sounds cool. I would like to point out a movie from 2018 and we're going to keep up with the Mandalorian connections. <laughs> this comes back to Mandalorian. This is not by design. This was uh, <laughs> to our listeners. Matthew and I did not plan this out, but this is actually a movie which features Pedro Pascal. So it is the Mandalorian himself. Yeah. And also keeping in the same vein of everything that I've been talking about up to this point with the Westerns, I'm going to talk about the movie Prospect which had previously been on Hulu. And I think just this past week, <laughs> it ended its time on Hulu and has now moved to Netflix. So people should be able to find it there. And Prospect is a 2018 movie. It was directed by Christopher Caldwell and Zeke Earl, and they were also the co-writers. Mm -hmm. And it stars Sophie Thatcher, Jay Duplass, and Pedro Pascal. And... It is the story of Jay Duplass is uh, Sophie Thatcher's father, and he is effectively a space miner. And they are on a deep space transport, which is just about to end its shuttling service on that line. They're basically in a deep space location, which is going to become defunct. And they drop down to a moon 
because the father has word of the mother load. It's, mm. it's a classic Western motif of the, the prairie life, the, the exploration life of the Western exploration. And if we can just do this one job, I guarantee you we're going to have enough money to live well for the rest of our lives. But they, of course, come across somebody who throws a wrench into that plan. And it is a beautifully told Western. It is just happens to be set in outer space and everybody's wearing spacesuits and carry around oxygen packs and rebreathers. And it is such a terrific look. And the story is so tightly written that it is probably one of the most pleasant tensions I've had in a couple of years watching a movie where you feel like you can feel all the tautness between the characters who don't trust each other. And that includes the daughter with her father. Mm -hmm. It starts off with there's a tension there where she is looking at this guy as he's my father, but he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing to be taking care of us. He's not making the best decisions. And their prospecting is the sci-fi aspects of it are beautifully rendered, but also not critical to the story because they could be panhandling for gold. They could be digging for ore in the side of a mountain. But what they're doing is effectively hunting down a creature on the the moon surface where they dig into the earth and it's almost like they're extracting some part of the creature. It's like mm -hmm. a egg sac almost. And what they pull out, they have to be very careful in doing it and use special acids and enzymes to release the thing inside. And what they get is a gem. So this sort of alien sci-fi-esque environment is telling a classic Western story and it's very, very well done. Yeah. And it's terrific to see Sophie Thatcher is excellent in it as the, as the, the, the main character and Pedro Pascal is playing like in the Mandalorian. It's a classic, classic Western character. Clint he, he is so good in it and he's mm -hmm. playing this kind of, it's almost like uh, Jeff Bridges in True Grit. It's that kind of, gotcha. he's a world weary. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to survive and he doesn't have to like people. And he, and he doesn't expect people to like him. He just expects people to pay attention to where the gun is pointed. Right. And he, and he plays that beautifully. And it's while he's playing a heavy, you also have moments of, I really like him. I like this guy. <laughs> That's he a hard plays, trick to pull off. That's a really he, hard he, trick to pull off. And he off. does it beautifully. And and it's not only hard to play that, it's hard to write that. And, and yeah. it's written beautifully. It's written beautifully in this. And so this is a movie that when it first came on my radar was back when it released, it went to, I believe, some film festivals and it got a lot of attention. And so I put it on my to watch list and it's been on, like I said, it had been on Hulu for a while and I barely got around to watching it just last week. And then when I was going to talk about it today, I went to check on it and it's gone and now it's on Netflix. So it's still out there, but it's one of those movies that 
didn't get huge response and didn't get a huge theatrical release. I don't even know how much money it would have cost to have made this movie, but it couldn't have been that much. It has, it's one of the brilliant things about it is that when you think about sci-fi movies that are made where it's other worlds, 99% of the time they go to the Southwest and they film somewhere in New Mexico, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like barren. This was filmed in a forest. This mm. alien world that they're on is a lush green environment and it's just not earth. So it's like, oh yeah, you can have an alien environment that looks lush and green and colorful and beautiful foliage. There just happens to be something in the air that is toxic. It's like a pollen is in the air that's toxic. So they have to wear these suits. They have to use rebreathers. They can't just breathe the air. Otherwise they will get sick. Mm -hmm. but it's such an alien environment despite the fact that it's not oh that barren moon it's right, this right. lush beautiful environment and they they tell this story so well it's so nicely plotted and so well acted with this tiny cast i can't imagine that this movie cost a lot of money to make but it really is a, it's a very nicely made gem so i really do recommend it that sounds really good i'm gonna check it out the final thing that i know both of us have been doing is playing video games mm -hmm. and i'll start this one mm -hmm. which is i've got two things to quickly talk about one is destiny 2 i've been looking forward to the update that is going to drop on this coming tuesday which effectively is going to the people in the destiny community are of you know varying degrees of um anticipation around the update but for me i feel like this is effectively the release of destiny 3 they just aren't calling it that right there's going to be a number of big changes to the game there's going to be some additions to what you can do within it some revisions of current content some removal of content so that they are streamlining the game a little bit and there's going to be some inclusion of older content uh, as kind of a, a greatest hits re-release within the game. So I'm looking forward to all those those changes. And I, Destiny is my drug of choice. So yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm definitely looking forward to that. So I've been prepping for that as uh, as Matt is aware. Yes, I, <laughs> I overindulge uh, even with solo play. But in the past month or so, I've been trying to break into some other games as well. And Destiny, like I said, is is my main squeeze, and I do as much with my friends Matt and and our third member of our trio, Frank. Uh, play with them as often as I can. So what I've been doing more recently, when I'm doing solo play, is I've been trying to play more of Ghosts of Tsushima, oh, yeah. which is a gorgeous solo player game, which has had an update in the past month which did introduce multiplayer capability, um, including a raid. But I haven't been focused on that as much. I've just been slowly digesting the solo player mode and doing, when it comes to a game like this, which is an open world, wander, do an adventure, finish part of it, move on to another separate thing, just kind of like wander around. Um, I tend to try to do everything. Yeah, me I too. I really take my time. I just very slowly work through layer after layer. And I'm just at the point now where 
I feel like I'm at the verge of completing what is probably the first half. I've been playing it for a while, but I've been taking my time. And I can see that I'm now doing missions where it feels like, oh, this story is really building to a moment. And so I, I feel like I'm about halfway through. Mm-hmm. And it is, from a gaming perspective, I've never wanted a game to be a TV show or a movie as badly as I want this. <laughs> yeah. Because it is, there's a mode I haven't used, which is actually the ability to turn it into a Kurosawa film, yeah. which you can switch it so that it's shown in black and white, um, which I think is a really neat addition to the game, just as like a, a tip of the hat to a style of filmmaking. But the environment, the characterizations, the dialogue, the the whole feeling of the world that they've created and the beauty of the world that they've created. Different parts of the environment look like spring, summer, winter, fall. There are areas of plains. There are areas of cliffs with waterfalls. There's all sorts of experiences within just walking around. And I've never played a game where I enjoy stopping and just looking as much as this. Just literally not pushing the controllers and then looking at a vista and thinking, that's beautiful. That's really just lovely. And saying, while I'm playing this, sometimes my girlfriend will be sitting on the sofa with me and she'll be doing, reading something or doing something on her phone. And I'll tap her and say, look at that. Look at the, look at those trees. Look how beautiful that is. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So she doesn't care at all, but no, but my experience of it is it is a lovely walk in the woods. Literally, it is a a beautiful journey and I'm really enjoying it. I enjoy the fact that the game includes writing haikus. I enjoy the fact that the game includes finding steam baths and, you know, hot pools and your character strips down and climbs in and you see a samurai butt getting into the water (laughs) and soaking. And I'm just like, this is great. Who doesn't want a game with a samurai butt? (laughs) Who doesn't? So it's a it's definitely a game that I think is worth checking out if if people are looking for something to uh, prep them for the, a little bit of a downtime. Although we are now heading into a very busy time in video games, where there's going to be a lot of big releases coming up just before yeah. Christmas. Yep, but it is definitely worth picking up. Yeah, I've, I've got that game downloaded and installed on my PlayStation. I just haven't started it, and the reason I haven't started it is I know I'm going to love it and I know I'm going to, when I play games like that, I want to do every little thing in the game and I tend to like take my time with them. Uh, the last game I played like that, which is my favorite game of all time is horizon zero dawn. I think it's the best game ever made. Uh, mm. it is the same exact thing. I can't tell you how many times Sean in that game, I would be walking around and just stop and be like, just taking in the scenery of just like the vastness and the beauty and like, the moment to moment challenges in the game, which can be kind of heart wrenching at times, you kind of take a step back and go look at the big picture and go, that minutia doesn't matter. Just look at this, like life and the world is amazing. And mm-hmm. the game does such a beautiful job of bringing that to life. Uh, this game, Ghost of Tsushima, looks very similar to me. It looks, I, I can tell you just from the 
<laughs> watching moments of gameplay, it looks like it's doing the same thing, just a different storyline. Um, mm. But it, it, you and I have talked about this before, about like there, in some instances, I find what's happening in video games more interesting than what's happening in TV and movies. I think there is mm-hmm. better storytelling starting to happen in video games than you get on the best TV shows that are out there. There's, there's, it feels like the industry, the game industry has finally tapped into how to do storytelling in games. And we're starting to see that more and more, uh, horizon zero dawn goes to Tsushima. It gets me so excited for the future of where this is going. I used to work in video games. I get really excited about this. Um, mm-hmm. And what I want to talk about with video games is I have, it's not what I've been playing because you, you you said you're looking for Destiny 2. And for me, for dear listeners, I'm like the polar opposite of Sean. For Destiny 2, I'm kind of like, okay. It's like that game, I'm kind of burned out on the game. I do, don't dislike it. It's a great game, but I'm kind of burned out on it. I've been taking a step back to let my interest re-engage, which it will at some point. But I haven't been looking forward to that new release because I'm kind of burned out. So it's like I'm kind of waiting and seeing what it's actually going to be like when the stuff comes out, what people say about it before I kind of try to re-engage. But in the meantime, a game I am way too excited for because it's in a <laughs> realm of my interest is Cyberpunk 2077, mm-hmm. which is was delayed until December. I'm actually building a new gaming PC just for this game. <laughs> It's one of the most anticipated games in years, and they're trying to make sure that they nail it. But Kenel Reeves is one of the voices in the game. It, it, it's a subject and sci-fi that I just eat up. It's a little bit of a dystopian future with megacities and uh, human augmentation and with computers. And like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great role-playing game. Uh, but it's pushing the boundaries of what games can do visually. That's part of the reason I'm building a new PC. And it's like... This fall and winter for video games is kind of like the Super Bowl of what's going on. Because now it's we have two new gaming consoles coming out. Uh, AMD just released brand new processors for computers that blow Intel out of the water. They've yeah. just released new uh, NVIDIA, released new video gaming uh, graphics cards that are astonishing. And then AMD comes out and goes, hey, us too. And they've got video graphics cards that are as good and maybe a little bit better in some ways, uh, especially when you're talking about cost. Um, So it's like, if you're a gamer, this is like, we've got the perfect storm. We've got the perfect storm right now. Yeah. It's, and it's the types of stories. Yeah. The types of stories, the game designers are trying to tell what they want to be able to do within the game and what the technology itself can do have all taken huge leaps forward. Yeah. Mix that with the, release of a new game two new game consoles mix that with the ability to do uh remote gaming via yeah, yeah. you know like cellular devices now i think the jury's still out on that personally because the latency of an internet connected gaming experience depending on what game you're playing oh absolutely be a deal breaker but but, but yeah. then 5g is also being introduced so you end up with that potentially filling some of that void it's really quite remarkable. And I agree with you. Cyberpunk 2077 is right in my sweet spot as well. And part of the reason why I haven't allowed myself to salivate too heavily over it is simply because I'm not in a position to buy a new console. I don't have a gaming PC. And I feel like if I tried to jump on it 
at release mm-hmm. with the current generation console, I wouldn't have the level no. of experience that I think I could. I want to have the most pristine experience of that game I can, which is why I'm rebuilding a new computer for it. And in my decision to do that, I realized you brought up how like Microsoft is basically saying, you don't really need a console anymore. I realized they really are saying that because Windows PCs are um, on the same level as an Xbox. Yeah. It's like I just I made the decision. I usually buy all the new consoles, but this this one I'm not. I'm planning on buying yeah. a PlayStation 5, but my new PC is my new Xbox. I'm building myself right. an Xbox. And the reason for that is because I can do party chat with Xbox players on my PC. I can right. play the same exact games that alongside whoever's doing multiplayer games. So it's like there's yeah. actually no reason to buy an Xbox if you have a really good PC and you can still play with Xbox players. It's it's kind of nuts the system they've. It was set a couple up. of years ago when they released Windows 10 and yeah. it was and it was <laughs> announced not as. Uh, it wasn't really heralded, but it was pointed out by Microsoft. Like, this is effectively the same operating system that runs on our Xbox. And my response to that is, why the heck would they do that? Yep. That's and now I, I realized that years ago, <laughs> they were like, we need, to, we need to blur the lines between devices. We need to start being device agnostic yep. and provide software experience, not limit based on what hardware you happen to be using. And I see now that that's what they were doing back then. Because now, as soon as I saw that Game Pass was advertising itself as, you have Game Pass, you can download these games to your PC. Yep. I was like, oh, I see. I see now. Yeah. <laughs> it's all I coming together. Now. Oh, I see now. Yeah. I see now yeah. the smart people in the room. And, and with the next layer beyond that being they're offering their xCloud gaming they don't yet have a deal with Apple. I personally think that that is potentially around the corner because yeah. Apple TV as an app just became available on Xbox. Yeah. So I have a feeling that there are deals going on it's between coming. those two companies it's coming. where they are where it's coming. And when that happens, I'm going to be in the same boat where a potential console purchase for me I may potentially be looking in the same place that you are, which is, well, maybe what I should just do is buy myself a good laptop, which could be also a gaming experience for me right. and not worry about getting a new Xbox console. Yep. This is, this is probably the last console they'll make, would be, is my guess. And the, if there is a following console, it's going to be something like an Apple TV, like a little hockey puck of a device that just right. taps into their streaming service. It's like, I think this is the last... Just something to link your controller correct. to as opposed correct. to... yeah. I think this is the last big computer console that we'll see from, from them. The listeners should let us know, what do you think about this? What have you been playing or what have you been watching? Have we missed something? Did you invent Stadia and you disagree <laughs> with everything we just said? Yeah. <laughs> let us know what you think. You can find our contact info in the podcast description. Don't forget to subscribe and please give us a rating or a view and share us with your friends. It really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew doesn't make a new video. <laughs> but he will next week. Yes. We promise. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.